Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to... Mark and Michael's Musings. We are a brand new podcast under the umbrella of Matchsticks and Gasoline and SB Nation. Uh, you probably know Michael and myself from the Tinderbox and Matchsticks and Gasoline is itself. But Michael and I decided we wanted to do a different podcast where we could come on and rant about a little bit about the flames and then other nonsensical things that you will probably enjoy us talking about, like football, baseball, pizza, whatever it happens to be. Uh, we'll try to keep it mostly sports related, but you know. We're going to talk about some things that interest us. Michael, how are you? I'm doing pretty well today, Mark. How are you doing? I'm exhausted because we have Thanksgiving tomorrow, and I've been doing a lot of errands and pre-baking and cooking and mowing up leaves, so good times for me over here. Um, let's jump right in. Last night, Flames, 5-2. Um, didn't see five goals coming from the Flames in that game. Did you, you know, halfway through that third period? Yeah, it kind of felt like um, – I honestly just kind of watching the game off and on, I was out actually – at the bar with some friends so like i was kind of glancing back and forth at the screen and every time i looked it kind of looked like chicago was pushing the flames so i was saying like last year it felt like they would have easily like lost that game but then to see them get get that kind of fluky go-ahead goal and then really finish it off with the two empty netters like that was real nice to see yeah and the, the, my favorite empty netter of the whole thing actually they were both pretty good because uh, Lewis just tossing that puck down the ice. And I love that Lucic stayed with it to just kind of help it get there. And he had a nice stick lift to allow the puck to go in. And he didn't try to tap it in to get his second of the game. It was nice to see him let Lewis get it. And then Gaudreau's empty netter was hysterical because the Blackhawks were like, dude, it's already four to two. Why? And then Gaudreau's look was just like, I don't know. Because Gaudreau's awesome. trying to get paid. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, fires up, you know, the ninth goal of the season. But I, I love the fact that he's just like, Johnny Gaudreau scores goals when Johnny Gaudreau wants to score goals, so it doesn't matter. Exactly. So, um, Markstrom, I thought, was pretty good last night. I think, um, you know, the misplayed puck, uh, Sutter was great uh, post game where he said, yeah, that's not in our playbook. And yeah, exactly. Was, <laughs> was like, we we, we didn't tell him to do that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, I don't know what he was thinking. Goalies pass the defensemen. They don't pass the centers. It's not in our playbook. It was, it was like the, <laughs> such an awesome Sutter answer. I loved it. Um, but I think that first goal, I think he probably would have liked to have that one back. That one looked a little bit weak. But still, you know, two goals allowed. The Flames come back. Um, they rattled Flurry early. That Dubé goal, Dubé needed one of those to get off the schneid. But that was a pretty that was a pretty weak one, if you ask me. Yeah, that was, um, I, I don't know. Hopefully that starts something for Dubé. Um, they'll take it because uh, Flurry had been playing pretty well coming into that game. So, yeah. It was nice to kind of get that early fluky one in, and then Lucic beats him too. Like Lucic had a nice game, and yeah, I want to bring up like the Sutter thing. Like I would say that was probably the most jovial I've seen him in a random like midseason press conference in I don't know how long. I don't know if he just like I don't know if his wife adopted six puppies during the game and he was excited to go <laughs> see them, but to see him like smiling with every question last night, because usually even after they win, he's usually pretty reserved, but he looked happy last night. It made me smile watching his press conference. Yeah, he kind of just had this look. He's like, you know, he's like, W's are good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, kind of like yeah, he... Good. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he was just like, it just seemed like he was cheery last night. I don't know if that comes with like getting home after this road trip, getting a couple of days off coming up. But yeah, he was, 
he was in a good mood. It makes me happy because like usually after these press, like even after wins, he's usually kind of down to earth, which I really appreciate. Like he doesn't get too high when they win or too low when they lose. Yep. But yeah, no, it was just funny watching him smile along like before the press conference with every question. Like he was just having a blast. Like when they asked him about Lucic, like, oh, is that a good like a thing a good teammate does? He's like darn rights and stuff. Like yeah. he was just having a blast last night. It was fun. It was kind of fun to watch him too, because you know, like normally like like somebody like, Hey, Goudreau had a good night, and he's like, Yeah, it's his job. You know, or somebody yeah. does this, but now that he's talking about like some of the older veteran guys that he knows or he's had before, like listening to him gush about Lucic or like, you know, like being a good teammate on Lewis's empty net goal. And it's like, that's what good teammates do. You know, that's what they do. Was, you know, and for him, that's excitement. You know, it's, I oh, always yeah, go was... back to, I always go back that he's very Belichickian in his press conference where like, he's just like, you know, like we're on the Cleveland, you know, like that type of setup. And I, but I like the fact that sometimes you can crack that armor a little bit with Sutter and he gives you something that just makes you chuckle. Like his Markstrom thing last night made me laugh hysterically. Well, yeah, I was going to say, cause like by comparison last night, like Sutter cracking a few smiles and a couple of light jokes, that'd be the equivalent of a reserved Bob Hartley press conference. As he used to like, just go, go wild sometimes when they won. I remember all of his stories, like we grew up ice fishing in Quebec and I froze my hands off. Like, out of out of a question that was like how was the power play tonight or something yeah like so i was just saying like compare compare the two coaches that was like a that was a very reserved bob hartley press conference or a very exuberant daryl sutter press conference yeah yeah i think if like the power play scored three times hartley would be you know going nuts going crazy and then if you listen to sutter they scored three times he'd be like well you know we had some better opportunities the fourth time but you know that's what it is <laughs> yeah. that's why one of them is like uh i guess hartley won a cup too i can't even use that but Maybe that's why, why Sutter's getting the, getting this team doing all right. Yeah, that's why one's still yeah still involved. But hey, no, no, listen, the Bob Hartley teams were fun. You know, six five games were a good time under the Hartley era, so it was it was good. But uh, Flames uh, tied. If I, I use the uh, Christmas vacation line, um, are you surprised the Flames are atop the NHL with the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers? Like three teams. If someone said Michael at the start of the season at American Thanksgiving, who are the three teams that are going to have the best records? Would those have been the three teams you put out there? Like Carolina, maybe because they've always been pretty good, but they lost like Hamilton and their goaltending completely changed. So they're surprising. Um, Florida, they they were better last year. I thought like Sam Reinhart was a good pickup for them, but um. Yeah, no, anyone that had the Flames anywhere like this out of the gate is completely a liar, first of all. And second of all, it's just, it's the fact that they're doing it in what I would call like a sustainable way too. It's not like they're just, Markstrom's been amazing, Vladar's been amazing, but I was going to say, it's not like they're riding just like a hot goalie to this. It's like they're, everything across the board is working well to get them to this start. Whereas like, I think you look at a team like, let's use the Oilers, for example, like they're, they're, they have their very good players, but like, they're riding a power play that's pushing 40%, which is amazing, but like the rest of their numbers aren't all that great. So it's kind of like, I, I think the Flames, I don't think they're obviously going to sustain this kind of pace. Like, I don't think they're going to get like 120 points or whatever they're on pace for, but I don't think anything they're doing right now is something they can't sustain into a pretty comfortable playoff spot, maybe even top spot in the division if they keep this up. So what you're saying is you don't think they're going to put up 23 shutouts this year? Well, 23 <laughs> shutouts and 30 overtime losses yeah they're gonna have the most loser points in the history of the nhl <laughs> i think points. i tweeted like probably three games ago when they were like something around like nine three and five i was like if they keep up this pace they're gonna be something like 47 like 10 and 30 or something 
Yeah. And somebody's like, that's like, that's the least successful 110 point season I've ever seen. <laughs> right. Cause the Oilers fans are going nuts about it. They're like, you still lose in overtime. Like the points are great, but they were like hammering on Markstrom. They're like, he's a 500 goalie. I'm like, just don't be mad because you've got Mike Smith and you guys are all hyped up and you, you brought him back. Like that's your problem. Not our problem. You can have Smith now. Although if, Markstrom's puck play last night was very reminiscent of Mike Smith. So we'll that was, that was a Mike Smith play. It was a total Mike Smith play. Um, so yeah. And sustainability, you said makes sense too. It's not like the flames are going out and winning seven to one every night. You know, there are some games they're winning five, three, you know, there's some shutouts thrown in there, obviously, but like, they're not a team that's putting up egregious, like seven goal games and only giving up one for a stretch of like nine games in a row. That's not sustainable. I could see Calgary winning a lot of five, three games, you know, some three, two, some three ones, that type of thing. So um, I think that's important to, you know, and again, it's still early. There's still plenty of time left in the season. Who knows where this goes, but I like as compared to Edmonton, when you go down the flames roster, there are multiple players on Calgary's roster with multiple points like in you know 10 or more like they're doing a good job spreading the wealth i mean yeah that top line of gaudreau lindholm and kachuk is carrying them but you look at luch you look at manjapani backland's been handing out helpers um if they can get some of those guys on that bottom you know that bottom six to really you know step up just a little bit like they did last night coming in with dubay and Lucic scoring they're going to be in really good shape yeah definitely they're um it's a well-rounded attack. I think there are some unsustainable parts of the team. Like I don't think Majapani is shooting thirty-plus percent all year and on quite his pace. But like at this point, he only needs fifteen goals in the final sixty-two games to get the thirty-goal mark, which I think we would have taken in a heartbeat at the start of the season. Um, I don't think Shillington quite continues this point pace, but I still think he plays very well the rest of the way. But um, it, yeah, when you talk about like the top guys, like I don't think Gaudreau, Kachuk, or Lindholm are playing in unsustainably at all like i think that's pretty like what we expected paces but the team's still doing well even with that so i think we're just gonna see like uh i don't know if settling is the right word but i think kind of t- everyone will kind of fall into that mid-season like the meat of the season it'll kind of just go into this grind and we'll see if they can kind of keep this up for as long as they can before uh before teams like vegas get healthy and stuff because that's gonna be a whole nother issue yeah, exactly. When yeah, when Vegas gets their um, newest acquisition back with his robot neck, uh, that could be an interesting take too. With Eichel, you know, entering the Western Conference in the Pacific Division. The other thing I wanted to say too is like guys like Michael Backlund are slow with the goal totals right now, but Backlund's always been a slow starter. He's one of those guys that come like All Star break and on. You look how strong he finished last year. You know, so I I expect numbers from Backlund to 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 pick up and he also provides so many different things he's such a good defensive center um you know he's just michael backland to me is like the swiss army knife one of those guys on the team can score can feed can play the penalty kill can play on the power play kind of like lindholm light you know um, mm-hmm. i just michael i i mean i've gush i gush about him all i love michael backland so oh, me too yeah he's getting great. him to getting him to grow a little bit and add in i mean even look at lucic i mean lucic is on you know he's gonna have potentially double digit goal totals this year, which is awesome, you know? So, I mean, I know the flames lost that trade and James Neal worked out for Edmonton, but I think for like a year though, like then it kind of worked out for the, like, I I would still make that trade 10 out of 10 at this point. A hundred percent easily. And everything he brings to the roster. Um, By the way, um, Blake Coleman is, is he done fighting for the season? Uh, That was a pretty ugly fight last night. (laughs) Held his own though. He stayed up, but I didn't love the hit either, and he's had a couple of those now with the Flames where he, had, he hadn't been suspended. Like He had that preseason suspension, but he's had a couple other hits this year where I'm kind of like, you're walking. As far as I know, he didn't get anything beyond uh, having to fight for it, but um, 
yeah, I, I hope he's done because I think he does a lot more when he's on the ice. And I still think he's got a bit of a – still needs to take a couple more steps, like we said before, at the offense. But, man, he's so good getting things out of the zone right now and playing well defensively that, uh, yeah, I hope he's done throwing fists at guys for no reason. Someone on Twitter brought up a good point. I'm going to steal this topic from them just real quickly. Um, someone said, if a guy throws a clean hit and a teammate comes over to fight because you threw a clean hit just because he didn't like it, should the guy who comes over get more – for coming to the aid of a teammate who just got hit hard on the boards. Like, is that something like, I mean, the NHL officials are terrible as it is. So adding another thing to their plate that they have to watch for and figure out in their heads probably is not a good idea. But what would your thoughts on that be? Well, it's, they have that like instigator Instigator. rule, which is very, some refs, like I think it almost comes down to like the individual refs will call it when that happens. But it, you would think like something like that, where a guy just comes over, you have no choice, but to fight him then, or you can get, Kachuk, like Cassie and Kachuk, where Cassie just beat on Kachuk like that and get nine punches over your head to maybe get a power play out of it, which isn't worth it either. So I would like to see them get a bit more strict with the instigator rule, but I think yeah. the instigator rule also has like a 10 minute misconduct attached to it now. So you can see why refs like are a little bit more hesitant to hand it out unless it's literally some guy just starts punching somebody with like no yeah. protection for him. But it's you would like to see, I think, that extra two to these guys that are... It, it kind of has to be a discretion thing, though, because yeah. that's the issue with a lot of these things for refs, is that when it's at their discretion, you can be like, oh, I wasn't going to call the original hit, so maybe now it's an instigator, but like the other ref could say it kind of looked dirty to me, and then they kind of have a debate. So I feel like they just don't call it to make it like, oh, it's kind of all just the same thing. They both fought, but some kind of instigator would be nice. It actually makes sense. Yeah, throw like an extra two minute, like um, I don't know, like an unsportsmanlike conduct or something on top of it. Just it doesn't have to be a four or you know a five minute or a ten or anything like that. Just an extra two, something to maybe discourage guys from. I get it, you want to protect your stars, but like if Gaudreau goes into the corner and gets hammered on a really hard hit, like why should that defenseman who hit Gaudreau pay the price and have to fight Lucic or somebody because he didn't like that Johnny got hit? That's just part of hockey. You're going to get checked hard. That's it's the game. Yeah, it's hard to say because like a lot of these plays happen so quick that I bet you two to three out of the five guys on a team don't actually see the hit happen just because they're going to their position they're setting up. So they listen or just see Gaudreau getting flattened. They don't know if it was a clean or a dirty hit. So maybe that's where they're just like kind of leaving up to like, oh, we don't want our stars getting flattened. So there's no extra two if you stick up for them. But yeah, it's a tough. I will give officials like some credit. It is like a tough game to please. It's fast. Like they're at eye level. They're not even, they're not watching from like a broadcast view like we are where we can see everything. But yeah. I think a bit more needs to be done on that front. But I know it's also like very not easy to do how they're doing it right now. Like determining what's clean and what's not on the spot would be tough. And not to go down another rabbit hole too, but maybe give the linesman a little more, a little more duties on the ice as you know as opposed to what they deal with. Um, but that's a whole nother rabbit hole. Oh, and for the record, over here, don't ever hit Johnny. We don't, we don't need Johnny exactly. to hit in the corners. By the way, Johnny can hit you, though. <laughs> well, did you see his response the other night when they were asking him about the hit? He's like, yeah, no, it was good. It was good to get a hard hit on. And they were like, is that one of your like go-to-the-gym moments? And he was like, I, I'm in no position to say that. <laughs> like, that was good. <laughs> in his press conference with Mangiapane, they're like, you surprised he's got 15 goals? He's like, well, yeah, he doesn't pass the puck anymore. Like, it's like, <laughs> that was a great press love, conference. It was outstanding. I love seeing, like, the and you're sitting there looking at the two and, like, you have to give them money. Please give them all the money. Like, they are, like, having so much fun. And just let, let, being, like, you know, being able to joke with each other, be jovial, and John even just say, like, yeah, I'm in no position to call some guy out. Look at me. I'm 90 pounds soaking wet. You know, I love <laughs> it. I think it's awesome. 
Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break here. When Michael and I come back, we're going to talk a whole bunch of other non-hockey things. We're going to talk some football. We're going to talk what do you like on your table at Thanksgiving, all kinds of nonsense. We're going to be right back on Mark and Michael's Musings. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And welcome back to Mark and Michael's Musings. We are a brand new podcast from Matchsticks and Gasoline. That is a mouthful to get out there and say. Uh, I hope you guys are enjoying this so far. We touched on the flames, Michael. Um, Canada already had its Thanksgiving. It's American Thanksgiving tomorrow here. So I figured, Michael, if you're looking at the table on Thanksgiving, what's like one thing you would absolutely at the start of sitting down at dinner, kick off your table immediately? Just like get that out of my face. I don't need that here. Oh, yeah. One thing our family, like, or at least part of my family is all over is like the cranberry sauce stuff. And I'm just like, that's a no for me. Like, if I'm having my turkey, I'm putting gravy on it. Like, I, I'm swatting that cranberry sauce as far across the table as I can because it is just, I, I don't see the point of it. I'm sure all these food takes always like rile people up more than even like our flames <laughs> takes. And I'm sorry, but that's just like, I'm not putting that on top of like some other like delicious stuff on my table. I'm sorry. Oh my god! See, see, maybe it's because I'm from Massachusetts and we invented cranberry sauce. This is where uh, Ocean Spray started. But I, I love cranberry sauce because my favorite thing to do is like the day after Thanksgiving is to take the cranberry. Sauce. This is probably going to make somebody vomit, so we're going to lose a listener here. But take the cranberry sauce and mix it with mayonnaise and make cranberry mayo with what? turkey. Yeah, oh and then you- oh my god. <laughs> it might be me. You might lose me. <laughs> and you put it on a turkey sandwich with like stuffing and bread. Oh, it's so good. So, but I like, I'm a big fan. Nobody in my house likes it. I'm a big fan of the whole berry cranberry sauce. Like I like the berries to pop a little bit. Oh yeah. But oh no, cranberry sauce. That's awesome. So you would get rid of cranberry sauce. All right. I would. So we're, we're, we're already fighting. We're yeah, one episode exactly. into this. We're fighting. I think for me, the one thing that I would kick off the table and it's probably a tie and it's probably between sweet potato casserole and just rolls. Like, like rolls yeah, to me that's... don't belong at Thanksgiving because you already have stuffing, which is normally bread. So you're doing like double the bread. And I I just made a sweet potato pie. So like that's for dessert. Like I don't want marshmallows with my turkey and my gravy and stuff like that. So I think I would toss the sweet stuff out off the table or maybe corn like corn. Yeah, like corn is just... it's, it's one of those things that like like the rolls, the corn, like anything that just fills you when you already have a bunch of like other good stuff that fills you on the table. It's kind of, it, you kind of just don't need it. You're right. It's kind of a. It's an extra thing that kind of just gets in your way from enjoying like the main parts of the meal. Now, Thanksgiving, um, when's it, have the Eagles played on Thanksgiving before? They, uh, they been, used to be, while. they used to be a fairly regular like Eagles Cowboys. Um, yeah. they've kind of gotten away from that as one or both of the teams have sucked in recent years, but yeah. they usually get like one in, I think it was geez, probably six or seven years ago. I remember I was in high school and the Eagles were playing the Lions on Thanksgiving because. The Lions always play on Thanksgiving. I remember sitting in my like class at the back with it on my laptop, watching the Lions. I think this final was something like forty to six or something. Oof. And I, and it was because I was so excited to go to school and watch a football game and not get anything done that day. And they just got absolutely <laughs> hammered. And I don't have a lot of good Thanksgiving memories of uh, of I, football, I, at least. 
you know, I always wondered why, like the Cowboys, I get it. Cause the Cowboys for years were America's team. You know, they were Roger Staubach. They were really good. And the Tony Dorsett years were a little bit lean. And then you had Aikman and Smith. So like the Cowboys had a good run. I never understood the lions on the lions have always been terrible. Even when they had Barry Sanders, the lions were garbage. So it, I just, I, I, I was going to say, maybe it's a good way for people to realize they're thankful that they cheer for a different team or something. <laughs> That could very well be it. Now, like the Falcons are the other team, I believe, that have the Sun, uh, the Thursday night game. So it's like they've added another one. But when I think Thanksgiving football, I always go back to 1993. Um, that was the year Dan Marino ruptured his Achilles in Cleveland. The Dolphins were – that was probably one of the best Dolphins teams of all time. And they probably would have had a decent run, even though they always have a, a really good track record of losing in AFC championship games, um, at least in the 80s and 90s. But, like – I always remember 93 Dolphins Cowboys in the snow at um, at old Dallas Stadium where it snowed through the roof and former Eagle Keith Byers had a rushing touchdown that was I think it might have been 30, 40 yards. And he was running like a penguin trying to stay on his feet because he didn't have the right <laughs> footwear. And it was the longest touchdown run ever with nobody. And, you know, Keith Byers was he was kind of like a fire hydrant with the yeah. little feet like, like trying not to fall down. And then, of course, that game ends on a Pete Stojanovich field goal where the kick falls short because the snap was bad. The field was a mess and the ball's rolling And there's two dolphins offensive linemen. I believe one of them was Jeff Dellenbach. Like that's how much of a dolphins loser I am. And the ball's rolling towards the goal line and Leon let comes sliding in, hits the ball, oh, the dolphins classic. recover. Yeah. And then Stojanovic kicks the field goal. The dolphins win 19 to 16 on Thanksgiving. Like it was one of those. That's to me is my all time favorite Thanksgiving day game. Cause the dolphins typically don't play on Thanksgiving. And I'm probably thankful that I don't have to watch them on Thanksgiving. So, um, yeah, that's that's my Thanksgiving football memory. Uh, how was that? 93. That's many, many years ago at this point. Well, yeah, I was going to say, like, if I was an American and I would almost be annoyed if my team was playing on Thanksgiving because, like, there's so much already going on with the holiday. Like, trying to I know a lot of people will just, like, sit down and watch football all day, but I feel like. I just wouldn't be able to keep track of like everything because it's all like all oh, the family comes over and they don't really care about the football game as much as you do. And I just like shut up and get out of the living room. I want to watch the Eagles game or whatever. Yeah, and it's weird too because in my house, like with my family, like my mother, father, my brother, where we grew up, we all rooted. We all grew up in Massachusetts. Nobody liked the Patriots. Everybody rooted for a different team. My dad's always been a Niners fan. My mom's a Steelers fan, and my brother, God bless his soul, is a Giants fan. Um, so like it's it's never been like Thanksgiving has always been like, well, none of our teams are playing. So who cares? But we still watch the game just because it's there. But like now you also, you know, you get up, you put the turkey in the oven, you have a Bloody Mary or three, you know, while you're waiting for the turkey to cook and then you eat turkey and stuffing and potatoes and then you just fall asleep. So you miss half yeah, the game because you're exhausted, you know, it's, and then you wake up and you eat and drink again because America, that's what we do. You know? well, yeah, I've always been somebody that when it's like game day, it's like I, I'm I'm here to watch the game. It doesn't matter what sport, hockey, football. Like I remember the the year the Eagles were in the Super Bowl. Like I was living in residence at the time. Everyone's like, oh, like we're having a big like party for the Super Bowl. Like everyone's like going up to this bar after. And I'm like, you know what? No, I'm staying in my room. I'm I I will have a drink and I'm going to watch this game start to finish. I don't want to be distracted by anything going on with anyone else. And like, thank goodness they won because at least I had that instead of like. They, them losing, which I fully expected, and missing like a good party too. But when I'm watching a game, it's like the game, and that's it. Like I, I'm sorry, I don't care what else is going on at this event. I'm the same way. Like I think if the Dolphins, it probably will never happen in my lifetime. But if for some godforsaken reason they made it to the Super Bowl, I would probably rent a hotel room and just watch the game by myself in a room. Because like one of my favorite sporting memories was watching the Cubs win the World Series um, in 2016 when they beat the Cardinals. I mean, the Indians. And I remember sitting. I was at work in my car with like my tablet and I just had the, the, 
it was like, don't nobody bother me. Just leave me alone. I'm sitting in the dark. I'm at work and I got the game on. I got to watch that happen by my, I'm one of those people like, like when it's going to be like the first or a very long time, because all my teams never win. I want to just have that moment just by myself. You know, my family's like, oh, the Patriots won again. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You think, okay, Patriots won a Super Bowl. Like, water's wet, the sun rises, the sun sets. You know, yeah. like, this is very special to me because it never happens. So, oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, talk a little NFL football. Uh, your Eagles, uh, a pro and a con of the Eagles this year. <laughs> uh, well, a nice pro is that they have the Dolphins' first round pick. That's a, yes. That makes me very happy. Um, I don't know. They they looked like they were very out of it all year, and now they're suddenly figuring it out. They suddenly realize that like not making a running quarterback throw it sixty times a game is like actually a. They realize that running the ball with a running offense makes sense, and they're actually doing very well now. And they're back in the in the picture. At least they're five and six. I think five and five is the cut right now. So they're in it, but like they're they're still very much rebuilding. They have three. They might have three first round picks though, so that helps. But they're. It's frustrating to watch because like they'll they'll come out one game and just look amazing and then just get shelled by like a mediocre team the next game. So that's the life of an Eagles fan, though. Yeah, no, and it's funny you mentioned the Dolphins giving them that pick because that was the pick where they moved around to get ended up getting Jalen Waddle. And like I like Waddle, it's fine, but I'm like, God, you gave up another first round. Like, but then I'm like, they've been so bad with their first round picks. I'm like, what do they mean? I can we can go down the the list of first round picks. We could talk about how Miami took uh, Jamar Fletcher, cornerback, Wisconsin, instead of Drew Brees, quarterback, Purdue. <laughs> um, we could talk about the year they took Jake Long, left tackle, uh, instead of taking um, Matt Ryan, quarterback, Boston College. We could talk about the year they took Ronnie Brown with the second pick in the draft, and the Packers took some guy named Aaron Rodgers with like the thirtieth pick of the first round. You know, so first round picks for the Dolphins haven't exactly worked out well. But um, the one thing I um the thing I am enjoying is it, it's such a polarized. And I don't know how Eagles fans are with their situation, but Tua Tungavailoa is the most polarizing quarterback. And I thought Ryan Tannehill was polarizing, like. The people that want Tua to be gone because they think he's fragile, they think he has a weak arm, they think he's just not good. And I'm like, dude's playing with broken ribs, a cracked <laughs> bone in his throwing hand, right? And he throws a 45, he threw a 52 yard bomb last week. It was the longest pass of the week, hitting Matt Collins in stride. Everybody flipped on Matt Collins. Everybody was like freaking out because like he said they had to slow down. I'm like, dude, he adjusted and Tua hit him on the fly after stepping up in the pocket. He had less than two seconds to throw. I'm like, guy's amazing. Like, who wants to get rid of that? Like, you finally, get, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, That's my yeah. rant. <laughs> it's a great sport for people that like the same play happens, but people, depending on your narrative, see it two completely different ways. And yet Eagles are kind of in the same boat right now with Hertz is that there's a contingent, at least before the season, that was like, we'll just like get through him one year and then we'll use one of these picks to get a quarterback next year. But then he's actually played pretty well. Like he hasn't been the biggest problem whatsoever with the team. So yeah. Eagles fans will fight about anything. And I respect that because they know what they're talking about. But at the same time, it's like, let's just pick something and like stick to it for more than a week at a time or even a quarter at a time. Some games. Yeah. And it's, that's one of those things too. Like it, the dolphins have it extra hard because they took to a, I believe the pick before Herbert. So the, or one of the two or the other, like the Dolphins could have made a move to get Herbert if they wanted him. And Herbert's been great. He's been fine. But <laughs> I literally don't have any. The Dolphins coaching staff handcuffed to a uh, with play calling and how they dumbed the offense down for him. And I'm like, he's a he's an RPO guy. Like, let him move the pocket, you know, let him throw on the run. That's what he does best. And Dolphins fans, it's funny. Dolphins fans watch him throw that bomb last week. And half of the fan base is like, that was amazing. And the other half is like, he's got such a weak arm. 
wasn't a really good throw. Meanwhile, if Mac Jones threw that pass in Foxborough, they would be building a statue for him outside, calling him the next Tom Brady. They would give him number 12. Like, it would be insane. But, like, Dolphins fans are like, he's just not that good. And I think it's because he's short and he's left-handed. Nobody trusts left-handed quarterbacks. Yeah, that's a big part of it, too. Um, I'm, I'm very much past the point of, like, settling in on a side with this. Like, I think a big thing, especially, like, quarterbacks, you have to give them, like, a few years for the rest of the team to be built around them, too. Like... Yeah, you can look at like a team that has like a Herbert or something who's doing like really well, but they also have a good team around him. Whereas like maybe Tua isn't surrounded with the best talent, so it's kind of like I hate making judgments on guys like two or three years into their career. Versus you have to see. I think I think you need like a good like five years for a team to be built around these guys before you can really get any kind of judgment on them. So, and I think like when you look at that too with a quarterback, that's the way it has to be because Tua has faced the most pressures of any quarterback in the NFL. He also has the least amount of time to throw the football. So those are bad combinations. Um, and I look at a guy like Ryan Tannehill, seven years in Miami. They never put a team around him. Ryan Tannehill goes to Tennessee. You get Derrick Henry, obviously amazing running back, but good receivers, good line. And look how good Ryan Tannehill is right now. So I think it's all about how you build. It's not, it's not, you know, the eighties anymore where, you know, Warren Moon and Marino could put up 10 wins a season when they had, you know, no running game and no defense. Those those days don't exist anymore. You need a full team. But I digress. I hate football every year. <laughs> every year, every year, football gets me by about week five. I'm like, ah, the Dolphins suck. It's over. Screw it. <laughs> you know? I just want to say like one thing is like, I'm glad we cover a hockey team where you play 82 games a year. Because I feel like if I if like the Flames only played 17 games a year, I would just stress so much about every game like we do with football. Yeah. And let alone having to cover it. So, like, I'm kind of glad we played. Like, I also would never cover baseball where you play 162 games a year because I, I, I would, I would probably lose after writing about my tenth recap. Where it's like, all right, well, they won five three today, and everyone did about the same as usual, and it's probably not going to mean anything because if if they make the playoffs, it's probably a wild card single game. So, and at least with hockey too, like your games are over. Yeah, you know, game starts at what? I don't know, seven o'clock. It's nine, nine fifteen. Like it's a, it's a, it's a faster moving game. Whereas baseball, seven o'clock start that game, and especially if you're an American League team with the DH and everything else, game can go three and a half, four hours. Like I just don't have time for that in my life anymore. At least you know I'm. Yeah, just, same. Like, baseball, baseball. I mean, I love my Cubs, but baseball is also kind of a background thing. You know, put it on on the TV, put it on on the radio, and do other things while baseball is happening. Because if you miss two hours of a baseball game, you normally have an hour and a half left. So yeah, exactly. We got that going first. Hey, let's switch topics. Let's go to another holiday. Michael, how early is too early to put up Christmas decorations? I'm just curious because I've been driving around my little town that I live in here. And it was like the minute, like the Halloween candy got handed out. There were houses that were full on decked out in Christmas. Well, yeah, I'm already, I've been driving around my neighborhood. There's like the houses I've gone full overboard already. Like we, like even a couple of weeks ago. And at least for me in Canada here, my thing is like once there's snow on the ground and it stays on the ground, like I I can at least live with it. If you're earlier than that, like although some years we get like crazy where it doesn't come till Christmas, but like for me it's kind of like three weeks out or when there's snow that's on the ground and it's staying, then I'll be like, okay, it's Christmassy, like you can kind of get with it. But anyone like you said Halloween, like give your head a shake. I I, I just don't get you. You need to have some kind of break between everything. Yeah, no, I agree. It's just everything gets fast forwarded and rushed so much. I think we talked about it the other day, like 4th of July happens. And then after 4th of July, it's uh, Halloween candy comes out in, you know, August. And then it's even like, we still have so many summer holidays to get through. And then you get to Halloween and by Halloween, you know, the turkeys are already in the store and all of that. I got to rant about that in a minute and all this other stuff. And then everything just keeps piling up. Like, you know, Christmas decorations, Black Friday starts in 
Labor Day. You know, it starts, you know, in September and it's just crazy town. We had, my wife was on um, Facebook the, the, about a week ago and she's like in full on panic. She's like, they said there's a turkey shortage. You're not gonna be able to turkey for Thanksgiving. Stores aren't gonna have turkeys. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, everybody's saying it. I was like, all right. So we ordered a turkey from a turkey farm and I won't, I won't get into how much it costs, but this better be the best goddamn turkey I've ever had in my entire <laughs> life. Right. And then I go to the supermarket and I'm talking to a friend who did the same thing and we're standing next to like not the frozen section like the cooler with all of the fresh turkeys piled up like just spilling out like like have a buy a turkey three for one there's so many turkeys you know and they're like just sitting there and i'm looking at them like oh wow a dollar 39 a pound <sighs> so i now have a fresh farm-raised organic vegan fed turkey that i swear you know my wife's like we'll send people home with leftovers because we had to put in pound wise like how much you wanted yeah, and I was like, I was like between twenty and twenty-five because we got nine people, and I like to have leftovers. And then we got to it, and I picked it up today, and the guy was like, oh, "I got a twenty-six pound turkey." I'm like, "I don't need a twenty-six pound turkey. Not much turkey that is." <laughs> and then like you had to put a down payment on it, and like it's like buying a car. It was ridiculous. Oh so gosh. I now have my buddy texted me. He was like, "Hey, I just saw you. Were you coming from the turkey farm?" I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "Is it like encrusted with diamonds? Like it's just like, <laughs> insane." So we we caved this year and went to the turkey farm and bought a. Very, 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 well, very expensive dead bird. <laughs> I can't wait to hear how great it was after or how disappointed. We might have to do another podcast like tomorrow where you're just <laughs> complaining about the turkey. We'll just do a video one where I'm just eating turkey, just <laughs> smashing it down. So, all right. Awesome. Anything else you want to add before we hang this up? Um, I think real quick, the, the Team Canada jerseys that came up for the Olympics. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I know you're the jersey guy, but like. I would buy an Olympic jersey if they kind of had the same design. Those are just there is way too much black going on for a country that's red and white. It is just bad you know, in my funny. opinion. I like the white and red. I mean the the varying opinions. I was listening to um, nine sixty this morning, and their description of what the maple leaf looked like was one of the funniest things. We won't get into what they said, but it's, it was it was really really funny. Uh, someone said it looks like a turkey bending over. Um, <laughs> but like um i think that was warner that said that but uh you know i don't like the red with the black maple leaf i don't you know that to me just looks weird and the, the all black just i don't know it looks like i mean it's better than the new jersey devil's jersey that just says jersey oh my god which is one of the most ridiculous things but i'll give canada this your jerseys are a thousand times better than the garbage the team usa is going to be wearing they released those today and they are hideous I don't know who put them together. What had their like Canada has a classic jersey they could wear, right? The United States just go back to the Miracle on Ice team and put those jerseys on Team USA forever. Red, white, and blue. White home, blue away. USA and red and white. It's not that hard. Well, jersey design general just makes me think like it feels like almost every team and their fans are always like, "Oh, I like what we used to have like twenty years ago. Maybe we should just stop trying to come up with new things and just stick with stuff that works." Right. Yeah. Um, it's a, yeah, it's, yeah. It's 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 a simple concept. Like it seems like every team in the NHL when they did those reverse retros, people were thrilled to have like their old retro style jerseys back. And maybe we should just stick with that instead of trying to do all these fancy. Like I'm not gonna, I wouldn't put any money on like any of these new Team Canada ones that came out. Maybe the white and red one, but yeah. like the black on black, I think is the worst of the worst. Like what are you going for there? It, yeah, those it's aren't even mess. Canada's colors. Like it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, I will. I, yeah, I definitely will not be getting a Team USA one. I mean, I have a closet full of jerseys that I don't need to add a collect anything to. But who knows? Maybe if Nikita Zadorov plays for Team Russia, maybe I'll get a I'll get a Zadorov <laughs> Russia jersey. That'll join the collection of. Wait, who my, is that jerseys? 
Yeah, to, to go with my Yuri Hoodler Czech Republic jersey and my Michael Froelich Czech Republic All-Star jersey. <laughs> you can put those in. You have like a All very right. niche collection of like where you could even wear those two, but like oh, I what do you do I go to, to impress the people? I do. I go to the UMass Lowell hockey games and like I'll walk by a guy talk like, hey, what's that one from? Where'd you get that one? And I was like, oh, it's Michael Froelich. It's his Czech Republic All-Star League jersey. He's like, oh, that one's really cool. Like one year I had my again the Team Canada one there and the guy's like, that's awesome. You know, so it was like, well, yeah, then guy. I'll wear well, exactly. Well, a buddy of mine actually scouts for the Bruins that I went to high school with, and he was at the game. And I walked up, and he goes, "Why are you wearing a Michael Furlan jersey?" He's like, "I'm like, you kidding me? I love Michael." He's like, "Nobody likes Michael Furlan." <laughs> I was like, "Ah, whatever." So when I come up in January, I'll make sure to bring somebody fun. Perfect. Or I'll just buy his door off when I'm up there, and we'll call it. Oh a day. my gosh! So if you guys don't like Nikita. If you guys aren't happy with Sadorov, I'll just buy his jersey. He will guarantee be traded. Because one year I was gonna, I was like, you can't see, I was this close to pulling the trigger on a Rene Bork jersey, and then he immediately got traded like three days later. I was That's like, a good name. thing I didn't buy that jersey. <laughs> so just add it to the pile. All right. Well, this was the inaugural episode of the Maiden Voyage, whatever you want to call it, of Mark and Michael's musings, where we just kind of talk about whatever, keep it sports related, and we bounce back and forth between flames and whatever else. If you like this podcast, you can find us on Google Podcast, iTunes, and Spotify. We're under the matchsticks and gasoline banner, along with the tinderbox and behind enemy lines. Michael, this was fun. We should definitely do this again. I enjoyed it. It's always fun chatting about nonsense. Exactly. And we can get away like, you know, we have to talk hockey on the tinderbox, but this is a nice spot to kind of just throw random stuff at the wall and see if it sticks. So thank you all for listening. Hey, and we'll catch you next time on Mark and Michael's Musings.